The Weezer Bracket is brought to you by H-E Plus. Hollywood Elser Plus. For those of you who have to start their day with the insane racist ramblings of Jeff Wells, here's some more of them. If you ever wanted to read the writings of an old cantankerous dinosaur who has more liver spots on his dick than your dead grandpa then I would suggest H-E plus. Now, let, let me, let's clear up one thing. We are generally pro-dinosaur, like we love Blue the Raptor, but uh, Jeff Wells, like... He's like the racist piece of shit dinosaur that we don't like. Yeah, I don't know which dinosaur is the racist one in the new Jurassic World, but uh, that one. We don't like that one. We don't like Jeff Wells. Uh, it's going to be the piece he probably writes about it in the next day or two. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, if you just need, like, some inane bullshit about, about, I don't know, how there's bad Wi-Fi at this hotel he stayed at once, uh, subscribe. It's going to be, like, six bucks a month or I think something. five, actually. Five dollars a month. You get, oh, you're going to get relationship advice? If, <laughs> if, that's what, if that's what you thought. I guess relationship advice is probably like insider info on how to order a male Russian bride or something like that. Yeah, what to look for. Make sure you don't get a lemon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go. Week 2648 of The Weezer Bracket. This is week seven. This is week seven. Yeah. I'm amazed you guys are still listening. I'm amazed we're still doing this. <laughs> In Weezer news, uh, I think... Hold on, hold, on, hold on. I'm Nick Robinson. And I'm Andrew Woods. We, we got to let the people know which voice is which so it, they I, can assign blame to us uh, when they get mad. I think they... Yeah. I wonder if anyone just jumps in in week seven. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah you know, because... I think they sh- they might because yeah. it's just like let me give these guys a chance. Maybe they're hitting their stride. Yeah. Probably not, but whatever. I, I mean, I've jumped in podcasts pretty deep, and I don't think a lot of them are as linear as I. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah, not like yeah. A, like these like Zamero, you don't need to listen to every single one no. of them. You don't need to listen to every Marin episode. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine, Unless imagine, you hate yourself. Imagine listening to, to only the first twelve minutes, like in a <laughs> row, of Marin of D- WTF. Oh my god! My brother once downloaded every episode of Love Lines, yeah, and just straight listened through them all. Love Lines so creepy when you go and listen to it because it's like always like forty year old men giving like fifteen year old girls sex advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, in Weezer news this week, <laughs> um, no sex advice here. The Black Album did not come out. Shocker. We kind of didn't think it would. Now Rivers Cuomo says like a June twelfth release, new music or something. Maybe another Toto cover. Hopefully, not really. Um, I do know he's they're going on Kimmel a few days before, so there. This seems maybe possible. I'm not holding my breath still, but like uh, this seems the most plausible. We'll see, and we'll we'll record something if it happens. Yeah, we'll listen to the album and give you our. We will listen to the album. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, Round one. Let's start the show. Round one. Time flies. Off of Hurley.
versus Eulogy for a Rock Band. Off of Everything Will Be Alright in the End. Every week, I know I say this, or you say this, one of us says this. This is one of the weirder Weezer songs in existence. Which one? Time Flies. Yeah. Time Flies, it sounds so, it's very heavily country influenced. Well, yeah. And that is because. Yeah, I know this. (laughs) I know you know this. That is because it is co-written with country music legend Mac Davis. Mac Davis wrote a few songs you may have heard. He wrote In the Ghetto for Elvis Presley. He wrote Memories. He wrote A Little Less Conversation. He wrote a bunch of songs for Elvis. He wrote songs for Kenny Rogers, Perry Cuomo, Helen Reddy, and Sammy Davis Jr. Also, maybe more importantly, he was a voice on five episodes of King of the Hill. (laughs) (laughs) So I was I was doing research earlier and I came across that credit and I was like and like I had I looked it up and I was like really this like this guy like I, I just like listening to this song I don't hear that much of a country influence maybe I, maybe I'm dead it sounds like a steel guitar on this one it, it, here's the thing it's not so much country so it's not especially the modern country sound that you're used to like a, no like a Toby Keith does it's not the country of a guy who was a failed rock and roll musician and decided to put a slide guitar on the background of his shitty rap rock song and call it a country song well it's like has anyone's voice ever like let itself less to a country song than Rivers Cuomo? <laughs> like, think about it. Like, um, I, I just it doesn't work. His voice doesn't fit, that's for sure. Um, but this is more of like the actual country and western of like a Waylon Jennings song, his song, you know. And I, I'm guessing that Rivers listen to the Willie and Waylon album or something like that and wanted to pay tribute. He was, I don't know, listening to to some of that old stuff, watching an old episode of Hee Haw or the Grand Ole Opry, and he's like, you know, this stuff is really good. We got to let people know about it. Let me use the power of Weezer to educate the youth about music past. And the youth, like, didn't look it up. How the hell would he expect to do that with Time Flies? <laughs> so here's. I think the, it's just another experiment. He it's doing. another experiment. But here, let me ask you this. Okay. You are Rivers Cuomo. Okay. And you are partnering with an absolute, absolute legend who's like 85. Okay. Do you make the song about how you are like maybe 40 and you're like, man, I'm getting so old? <laughs> It seems almost disrespectful. It is, because this song is kind of about legacy a little bit. It's about legacy, and it's just like, oh, I'm getting old. I'm not what I was. At least I had fun along the way sort of vibe. But it's just like... He's quite a bit of these kind of songs at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Like Pork and Beans is a little bit like this. A little bit, yeah. yeah. And then like, and then like, 
Eulogy for a Rock Band is another song about like legacy and like bands' legacies and whatnot. These two actually kind of match up thematically. I mean, we said we are seating experts, and yeah. so here you go. <laughs> the production of this song is so weird for me, though. It sounds like the fifth generation of a cassette dub. It, yeah, it sounds like... Um, that, you, that you then sat out into the sun a little bit. It sounds like they recorded it in their kitchen. Yeah, and I think this is... This one, at least, I believe, is intentional that it sounds like this. Oh, yeah, it has to be intentional. Because, like, everything, everything late period Weezer is so overly glossy and overproduced. And this isn't like, you know, and I, the fans have been complaining about that for, uh, for years. But I don't think they were wanting something like this. This, like, lo-fi weird sound. Uh, it's completely uh, within Rivers to be, oh, you wanted this? Here you fucking go. <laughs> I don't know even that's what he was aiming for with this one. But you, this is this is the equivalent of Hey you hey kids, you want to smoke cigarettes? Well you gotta smoke the entire carton. Well if you're if if he was doing trying to do like his country music song, specifically like sixties country rock, yeah. do you think he was trying to replicate the production you hear on those kind of kinds of songs? I I think that he could have a certain level of nostalgia for that. Yeah. Uh, or I think he may have conceptually wanted to be wanted this to be the kind of record you find digging through a record store and just throwing something on something that was untouched for years i can kind of see him romanticizing that and kind of making this kind of found record yeah it's a hard concept to sell i'm barely selling myself on it especially when you shove it at the end of hurley Yeah, and then it's just like Rivers is not that well known crate digger. You know, generally, like with albums, you try to at least like have the production kind of have (laughs) one sound, or you make one one unanimous decision and drag it through the entire album. Generally, you want it to sound like the same band did all the records. (laughs) Um, Most people don't try to make their own records sound like a comp. I found a quote where he called it a classic 60s pop song with a huge with huge cr- crunchy guitars. I pretty much disagree with all that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we know especially with Rivers the 60s pop that he was into and I see some influences but this is more going to the the old western music like this doesn't sound like a well, lot no of shit. If you hi- if you hire like an old western songwriter that's what you're going to get. I mean, he had to be. I mean, he was aware of that. He's not stupid. Oh no, I'm sure this was one of those where he was like a little nervous to meet him. Yeah, uh, probably started calling him Mister Davis for a little while. You know that sort of thing. Um, God, I, I I would love to know just what their interactions were like. Awkward. <laughs> awkward and weird. Like every person, every, every person's interaction with Rivers. Doesn't change. But I will say this. I think Rivers' voice is a bad fit. I think the sound doesn't fit Weezer or anything like that. I think the actual melody and composition of the song is kind of fun. It's okay. I don't think it's one of his strongest. No, no. But I think it's fine. Yeah. Compare that to Eulogy <laughs> for a rock band. Here's the thing. I, I, I kind of like this song. What? Yeah, I do. I've always kind of liked this song. I, I think it's fun. I think it, I think it's one of the, especially that early half of uh, everything will be all right in the end. I think he did like a triptych kind of like album uh, concept, 
like and this was the idea of like basically the band's legacy because you, you compare you pair this off with uh, back to the shack and uh, what else there's one more that kind of has that same kind of sort of concept oh ain't got nobody back to the shack eulogy for like a rock band and like I, but weirdly enough I think this song is thematically as we've said before comparable to time flies they're both songs about bands and their legacies and worrying about your legacy and whatnot he said he wrote this song about another band's actual legacy. It's kind of hard to believe that. I actually believe him. I, I do and I don't. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you're writing about this and you care so much about these sort of things, there's going to be things that he brings to it that are about the band. I, I think he may have been in, inspired by somebody else's, but I think he's bringing a lot of Weezer to it. I think he, I think he totally based it on a real band. I'm just curious what band it was. I have a couple of theories. Let's hear them. Well, my number one theory is always Kiss because of his obsession with Kiss. Okay, I can kind of see it, except it's like Kiss is just the thing that won't die. I know, but maybe he's come to terms with the fact that Kiss is done. You know what I'm saying? Like in quality wise, and they'll never make like a good <laughs> album again. I mean, he said, I know the thing that he said is he would reveal who it was about once I think either they finally broken up or passed away. Interesting. I could also see him just say, like, once Ace is gone, this is no longer Kiss. This is Kiss in name only. Yeah, Ace has been gone for years. I know. Is there is there a post-Ace Kiss record worth having? No. So you know the story about, like, when he was a teenager, right? Like, I mean, the one story? So, you know, when he was, like, a teenager, his mother remarried and to a last guy whose name was Kitts. And when they remarried, they basically said, hey, because, like, Rivers and his brother Leaves were so mocked for their names, they let them take on new names. So he chose the name Peter so he could be Peter Kitts. <laughs> I had not heard that. Because he was so obsessed. Because uh, it sounds like yeah. Peter Chris. I mean, I get it. I mean, I don't think of any of the members of KISS, that's who I would choose to model myself after. Well, it's just, I think, because he, it's, he it's loves call, KISS yeah. so much, and it's the only one. His his brother became James, so Jimmy. You know, uh, say it ain't so, wrestle <laughs> yeah, with Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think there's so many bands probably from who this could be about, especially like the bands like he loved growing up. Yeah, like this is like you know, there's it's possibility. It's like it's some band that probably sold like fifteen hundred records total. You know, it could be like some hair metal band because he was he was super obsessed with that kind of music. <laughs> it's about Slayer. Have you ever seen like the picture of him with the full hair metal? It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. He looks so tiny and so like, <laughs> he looks frail. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like probably like eighteen, nineteen, but he looks like he's twelve. <laughs> Part of figuring out who this might be might be looking at who co-wrote this. Uh, this is co-written with Daniel Brummer, who was a studio producer until this album hits, and he went on tour with them. So, but he co- but uh, this guy co-wrote this song, correct? He co-wrote this, and like he was just a studio producer. Yeah, he put stuff together. Like he had, he's just there to help. He's a hired hand. Well, because like, because yeah, because like, so okay, six like the uh, producer on this album, and I think almost that that for me creates the three periods of Weezer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, yeah. Because like, you have the blue album, then you bring him in for the green album, and then everything will be all right in the end. These are these three kind of like monumental shifts in the band, in my opinion. Yeah, and then also it's just nice like he was somebody who they could play a, have play another guitar. Yeah, uh, it's also co-written with Ryan Slegger, lead singer of Ozma. 
Okay, that makes and, sense. And he also tours with the Rentals. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I think a lot of times when the Rentals play, Ozma just opens for them. Also, it's just like, who knows who's going to be at the Rentals at any given yeah. time. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've always kind of liked this song. I like the riffs. I really don't. I really don't like the sound of the verses. I think the hook is pretty fine, but just the the it's just kind of like a slog. This is a long song. It feels to me the weirdest. The weirdest thing about the song to me is that it feels like Tenacious D's tribute just <laughs> just played serious. I mean, Tenacious D and Weezer have a history. They've toured together a few times. They have. Yeah. yeah. I've never thought of tribute while listening to this song. I'll be honest with you. I try not to think about Tenacious D. I'll be quite honest. There's some decent Tenacious it's D songs. Fine, that first album's good. Yeah, it's just like I've known too many people who are just like way too into Tenacious D. I don't get people who are get really into like joke bands. Yeah, like it, it seems almost like a cop out. Yeah, I always think like getting into like like there no. I feel bad. Hey, John Hendel. Um, <laughs> it's like being it's like being really into They Might Be Giants a little bit. I hate people who are into uh, They Might Be Giants, well, except really for John Hendel. I really love John Hendel, um, but I and I like a lot. I I actually like a lot of They Might Be Giants, but I just don't understand like them being your favorite band the, sometimes the, the worst person in the world is the guy who like at a party like he says no you gotta listen to some real music and they put put a little birdhouse in your soul and they cross their arms and start looking smug i have i've known three people to do this what other bands are kind of like that i don't know a little bit like founds of wayne nah, founds of wayne's Fountains more of a, way, no. more of a is more of a real band Devo kind of borders on it, but Devo is so like musically trained and progressive. Devo to me is too uh, uh, abstract at times. Yeah, and, and experimental. But there are some songs that are like funny. But yeah. like some songs, it's like, oh, you actually break it down. It's not that funny, and it's like actually saying something. Yeah, and I, this is one of the reasons I respect there's, Devo. There's a lot of artistry in Devo. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of really. They, I think they really do are perfect for that post-punk sort of era, too. I'm going to put a thing. I think liking Weird Al a lot is okay. Yeah. But there definitely is a too much point. Like, uh, so many fucking people went to this non-parodies Weird, concert that we know. Yeah, I can never imagine going to that show and knowing those songs. I, there's some that you'll know, but, like, Jesus. Like, I can't hold them in super high regard. Yeah, it's like, I just can't imagine Weird Al being one of your favorite musicians. <laughs> I feel bad. I, I, there are a lot of friends. There's I know. a lot of friends who are going to be upset, but yeah. Know. I mean, like, I, I love you guys. Well, whatever. We upset them all the fucking We're also, time. you know what, guys? We are, we're also hosting a podcast about Weezer, so we're <laughs> not that. We're not that much above these. We're, we're, what the fuck are we doing talking like we're, we're some sort of great music aficionados here? But we are. <laughs> I don't know. Eulogy also just really shows his Frankensteining. Like I, I, it, the verses and the hooks feel, and the pre-hook, they all feel different. There's a weird droning in the background, like a screeching sound. There's also this like live audience sound that comes up and never goes, never comes back. Some of it, I think I, he does a couple of those vocal things on this album, like those. Uh, the first song, like sound effects. Yeah, well, you can hear Jake Fogelnest's voice at the at the beginning of the first song of the album. 
I think he takes like a snippet of when he was like a you know like a radio host. Yeah, and, and puts that at the beginning of the album, which is great because you know like that means like Jake Fogelness can never like mean tweet your album or anything. <laughs> oh my God, you think? Oh, I wonder what Fogelness's residuals for, from this are. Not much. I don't know if anyone made that much money off of this album. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I just. It's funny, we have not talked about Kiss a lot during this This podcast. is somehow, yeah. And like, I think you, you can legitimately, you could go into deep discussions about Kiss while talking about Weezer, especially like with River's obsession with Kiss and like its influence on him. I don't think we've given our opinion on Kiss ever before on this podcast. Oh, I don't know. We definitely haven't. I mean, like, I don't think I can necessarily say I like Kiss. I like the L.A. Kiss, R.I.P., <laughs> No, I like Kiss. I, Kiss falls in this category. I'm not a fan of them, but I find them so insanely fascinating. I find them so fascinating. I think I respect them more than most people sometimes. I respect them, but in the way that I respect a really good con artist. Oh, yeah, that's exactly it. I respect them because I think they understood exactly what they were, and they took advantage of the system, and they took advantage of kids who basically like the aesthetic of it more yeah. so than like I think they fed off they definitely were a band who fed off like glam rock and turned it into like a cartoon weirdly enough literally yeah <laughs> with bad like bad like rock slash metal riffs not really metal but yeah, the big thing about them is they always sounded like songs you're supposed to like but don't actually like yeah, they almost sometimes sound like parodies of like rock songs. It's yeah, it's just like somebody's wrote what a rock song is supposed to be like. I mean, Stutter is their best so- song, and it's like their first hit. Yeah, and it's just like cool. It's all downhill from here. What's it like? There's like Cold Gin, Cold Gin, and there's like weird like outliers like Beth, which, <laughs> which Peter Chris sings lead on. <laughs> I mean, he was their Ringo, you know. I guarantee you that is what they are thinking about with that, too. I bought Peter Chris's autobiography. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to say that no, Peter no, Chris just, album. <laughs> no, no. The only one of those like solo four albums that came out that, that's anything worth a shit is the Ace Freely one. Well, no shit, yeah. And it's mostly because it has that New York cover of New York um, groove on it that's really good. That's really good. Yeah. You know, I also really respect that Kiss has never had... I mean, they were built to sell out, but they have done it so shamelessly. I mean, the Kiss coffin that you can use as a beer cooler. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous, but at some point, you know, I got to stand up and give it a salute. Some of the funniest things on Howard Stern in the like late 90s is when the, they would bring Gene on, and they had that guy who would do the impression of Gene <laughs> yeah. in the room with him. And they would just, and you could almost, if you're listening on the radio, you can't tell when it's Gene at times. <laughs> but anyhow, I could totally see the song being about them, though. I could too. And it's like, if he's not talking about Weezer itself, but, which, by the way, I can also see him saying, no, it's about some other band. I will tell you at some undetermined time to be a smoke screen. It was screen. about us. Yeah, it'd be like one of those fucking wrestling reveals where it's like, oh, who is this? And it's like, oh, it's that the person you absolutely thought it was going to be. Yeah. But we did a dramatic reveal. All right. Are you ready to vote? Yeah. Mm. I think Time Flies is kind of fun, so I'm going to say Eulogy is worse. I think Time Flies is much worse. 
Okay. Time to go to the phones. Okay. All right, we're going to try Thomas Gravinsky. Nick Rob, what's good, my man? Hey, man, you're on the Weezer bracket. What's up? Get <laughs> 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 your lucky. Swear? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, fuck yeah. Oh shit, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> dude, I was just about to go to bed. It's almost midnight. I know. <laughs> yeah, we're recording late. Dude, you know what I'm thinking about before going to bed, though. That's Weezer, baby. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's kind of how I have to be now because of this <laughs> damn podcast. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we really made our bed and have to lay in it. Dude, there's no getting around it. This is your life now. You, we, it's, like, inescapable. It, yeah, what I love is, like, people just, like, write me uh, Weezer lyrics, and it's just like, oh, fuck, this is familiar. Fuck, I'm not supposed to know this, you know? <laughs> And it's just like, I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to this. <laughs> so we got two songs, and we're, we are tied on them. And so Great. Is there, is there a way? I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing you guys clearly. I'm a at speakerphone. Uh, uh, no, we can't do speakerphone. Oh, no, it's totally fine. Um, the recording it, of- I, can, I can hear you. It's not bad. I'm just going to close my windows and turn off my fan. I hope you can edit this shit out. No, 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 we're going to leave this. We can in. hear you fine. So yeah. it's, it's, all, it's all good. Also, this is more interesting than the shit we normally talk about on the podcast. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. We just went into a long diatribe about Kiss. Which, and shockingly, seven episodes. <laughs> Dude, wait, is this the first time you've talked about Kiss? Andrew's a Kiss head. Well, it's like you had to talk about Kiss a lot when, with Rivers because hey. Rivers is like such a diehard Kiss fan. It's not Kiss head. It's Kissanthrope. <laughs> Kissanthrope, yeah. Also, Rivers loves to kiss. Oh, there's an actual mouth. name for him, isn't there? There's like Kiss Army. The, yeah, though, there's the Kiss Army, yeah. Kiss Army? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's a good name. So. Well, I'm glad you guys caught me on today in little days. I uh, am homesick and uh, also uh, a person I like just kind of casually broke up with me. So I'm ready to talk about some Weezer. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I'm sorry. Why, wait, why are you missing home so much? Oh, nice. Nah. I'm liking that. That's good. So, the two songs, I don't know how well you're going to know these songs, <laughs> you'll, Thomas, you'll to not. be honest. You'll not. <laughs> so, if you can just, you can decide however you want. Yeah. <laughs> so, the first song is called Time Flies. It's the last song on Hurley. Oh, I fucking know Time Flies, dude. I listened to Hurley so much in high school and yeah. thought it was a good record, so that's oh, how wow. uh, well-equipped I am to do this. Did you know that song, you know that song was co-written with like, an old like uh, country songwriter? No. no. Yeah, he wrote songs for Elvis, Elvis and Sammy Davis Jr. See, dude, that's the Weezer pedigree, man. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they track the hot shots. Okay, and the other song is Eulogy for a Rock Band. It's off of Everything Will Be All Right oh, oh, in the End. Oh, fuck. I know that. That's on Everything Will Be All Right in the End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, dude. Wait, is Eulogy for a Rock Band the one where it's like, adios, all the yes, fucking that's rock? correct. That's exactly yeah. it, yeah. Okay. How do we keep people... We, we've gotten so many people who know these songs off the top of their heads. This is like always... Dude, incre- I know both of these songs off the top of my head, and I already know... Uh, which song I think is worse than the other because I like one of these two songs, Ooh, unfortunately. Wh- which one? <laughs> Dude, I like, I kind of fuck with Eulogy for a Rock. Band. Me too. Me too. That, I was the one who re- was really going to bad for it. 
<laughs> Nick likes time flies. I, I kind of do. <laughs> I, I mean, love this, though. I love that we all like one of these two objectively bad songs. Uh, <laughs> I like the riffs in the eulogy for a rock band. And I really like Dude, the, I think. Yeah. I think there are some tight riffs on that song. And I think the first time I listened to the record, I was. Uh, a little annoyed with River's use of the word adios and sort of the hook around it, but I, I like it and it fits really well. You, you know, the fit is inarguable. The fit, it fit, the fit on Sorry, the, the fit in everything will be all right in the end is a million times better than time slides. I freely admit that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, if we're talking sequencing, one hundred percent, fuck time flies, dude. And like, <laughs> I, I revisited Hurley recently, and almost none of it holds up for me. Oh Whereas God, everything no. will be all right in the end. I like a lot. I can never remember like any of the songs on Hurley, and then, I mean I do now because because of the podcast. But I can never remember them until like I put them on. Dude, Hurley's got "Where's My Sex," right? Yeah, yeah. It's got "Where's My Sex." Oh my fucking god! Strong I mean, contender. Yeah, look, <laughs> we know these. Most of Hurley's on the bracket. <laughs> It's dude, Hurley's not ratitude bad, but Hurley is rough, man. Do you know what's real rough going back and revisiting is it's we've kind of discovered is make believe is real rough. Make believe is make believe is really rough in ways you if when you revisit it it really hits you. Dude, that I I I still kind of fuck with perfect situation. Sorry, we're oh, bad. No, 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 no. We, we were no, actually no, no. we That's talked the, a lot about how we, we like that song. We, we kind of agreed last week that because do you know what the second single off of uh make believe was? Yeah, yeah, it's We Are All On Drugs, right? Yeah. Off the and there's top the radio of edit where it's We Are All In Love. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. But we don't. We were just like, why didn't you make Perfect Situation like the second single? It's, it's like the um, closest thing to a classic Weezer song. Yeah, it didn't. Dude, Perfect Situation has such a good hook, dude. Oh, man. It, but just like the whole thing. Uh, it's a good track in an album. Yeah. Man. I like like perfect situation hits for me. I really like hold me. That's like the only other song I really like on the album. Oh, um, this is such a pity. Kind of works for me. This is such a pity. Yeah, song. dude. Here's the song you guys are forgetting. Though. This is the sleeper hit on Make Believe, which is what? What? Beverly Hills. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Well, Thomas, do you have anything to plug? Just my SoundCloud, dude. Oh. <laughs> dude, no, I don't have a SoundCloud. I don't have shit. Um, Brigsby Bear? But is, is that is that all you need from me? Which, so Time Flies is objectively worse than Eulogy for a Rock band. That means Time Flies is going to uh, be going on. All right. Another chance to talk about country music. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas. Yeah. All right, Thomas. Have a, have a good night. Hey, thanks for calling. See you guys. See you, All dude. Right. Bye. Bye. All right. There we go. How does he know all this off the top of his head? I guess he must be listening to us week to week. Yeah, I think I think we've been talking. I've been talking to him about it. So he, oh, he, loud he's been too. um re re uh, revisiting revisiting the uh, catalog of Weezer. Hey, you know what? Uh, if nothing else, if people do that and they find some songs they love and it makes them happy, maybe we've actually done a good thing here. We've done a service. Yeah. Done you're a... welcome, America. No, you're welcome, the world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're translating to 56 languages around the we world. We got people outside of America listening to it. Yeah, we got a lot of people. We don't understand why you're yeah. listening to it, but hey, thank you. We love you very much. 
All right. Thank you. Next round. All right. Time flies. Going on. Round two. Dope nose. Off of Maladroit. Versus the other way. Off of make believe. I have always been a little shy, so I'll turn and look the other So I think a lot of people are going to give a shit for putting dope nose on this bracket. Absolutely. And I get it. I get it. I mean, like, it, I think you remember we had to put 64 songs on this bracket. Yeah, number one. This, is, this thing was... 64 did, songs. Did we bite off more than we could chew? Maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but, we're, we're, you know, we, uh, we made a promise to all the listeners that we didn't have at the time, and uh, we're keeping it because we are men of our words. Obviously, Dope Nose is the first single off of Maladroit. Yes. But we did put, put, put both first singles off of uh, the Green Album, so we've already, like... <laughs> and we put Keep Fishing in it here, too. Yeah, look, no song was safe from the bracket. I think that's a good lesson for life. Question. If you had to compare... If you had to pick between... Since these aren't going against each other, I just find this an interesting question to you. If you had to pick between Dope Nose, um, Hash Pipe, and Island in the Sun, what would you pick? As best or worst? Best. Um, I guess it's this one. Yeah. This one I at least feel the most consistent about. I think the riff on this is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a really great riff. I think that, I think it sounds really cool. There's a lot of this song that just really annoys me. Well, the lyrics are all nonsense. The lyrics are all nonsense. Um, what the, really gets me are the though, backgrounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Piece of, piece of what? It's It sounds like all these like weird like offspring oh, yeah, would yeah, yeah. really do that. Uh, and it's all these really like pop punk songs that would really do that, and that's what made them edgy as such. And it's just like you're 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 Weezer. You don't need to do this. I think this song has the ultimate nonsense lyric of in a career of nonsense crazy <laughs> lyrics. I think cheese smells so good on a burnt piece of lamb is one of the, if not the, craziest line he's ever like written. Nonsense. So I will this, say though, it is it is so strange that I kind of like it, but even though I find it totally nonsensical, it's you know here's the thing: it's so abstract, it kind of sounds poetic. Yeah, it's kind of like an ancient cone, <laughs> where it's like this does not make sense. The problem is surely with me. I must expand my brain to understand what he means. Um, and here's what he means. He wrote this at the same time as Hashpipe, so he is on the tequila and Ritalin formula of songwriting. Yeah. And 
He was probably hungry. Uh, yeah, so apparently I think he wrote this around the same uh, same time as the Summer Songs of 2000, which you know Hashpipe and Slob both came out of. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one that survived because like, it's interesting that some of those songs did not make it onto the Green Album. I mean, but that's the process of any recording of a piece. You, you know? can also remember that the Maladroit came out like like less than a year after the Green Album. But the big thing was they were a little under a year apart. Yeah. But everyone was acting like Green had come out like five years ago. Everyone's like, we got to have new Weezer songs. What is the new Weezer going to be? I mean, part of that was this is the really around the time that people are first coming online to go onto message boards and talk shit and read muddy rumors, a friend of a friend of a friend of an uncle of a cousin. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the like Weezer message boards before. But this is like right where they're really popping up, like where most people are getting online. The digital revolution is happening. Well, it's like podcasts are on the horizon, fortunately for all y'all. Weezer's kind of such a fascinating band to do this with because like Weezer was one of the first bands to really cultivate that sort of like online audience, like in like Absolutely. That sort of online base. Especially when bands are going against because you have Metallica suing their their listeners. You have you have everyone like fighting against piracy, which they in retrospect, we now know they were really right to do. And, and then you had like Rivers Cuomo just like throwing out demos to, to all the fans and stuff. <laughs> hey guys, I need some feedback. Uh, <laughs> say, hey, who's up? Who's up? I got this thing. I don't know if it's any good. You I know? remember, yeah, I used to go on to different like fan boards and like the message boards, and you could find dozens and dozens of unreleased songs. There are a few bands I know that have like the catalog of unreleased material that they do. I mean, you, you also we've also talked about how much Rivers would just write songs. Yeah, and really, they were they wanted the fans to have it, and I can't think of anybody else to really do that. Yeah, I mean, the Metallica thing with Napster—they were mad that unreleased stuff and demos and were get, got out. Not that people were sharing Master of Puppets. They're mad about unreleased stuff and rarities and stuff like that being shared oh, what album was that around that time of St. Anger uh, the one before I, I think they scrapped that album because it all leaked on Napster it all it. leaked and got out and because they're doing like I Disappear at the time they're doing a lot of songs well, the thing I remember about Metallica and all that was it was Lars mostly wasn't it it was, it was, was, it was, was the, the Mars. most vocal of all of it but it got basically it's one of the really great spin jobs yeah. just to where Napster spun is like, hey, they don't want you sharing music. And it's like they're only suing people who are releasing unreleased tracks. Like if you downloaded one or if you downloaded reload, you were fine, you know? I will say I think part of the thing that probably worked against them is that Lars is hands down the most obnoxious member of Metallica. I mean, it's not even a contest. No, it's not, and like even when you agree with Lars, it's like, oh god damn it, Lars. I mean, the best thing about uh, the documentary on them is seeing Lars's dad. Yeah, the the professional tennis coach who just puts Lars in his place. He's like, Dad, check out this track, it's and a, he plays the track, and his dad goes, "Yes, I would delete that." <laughs> You're talking about some, some kind of monster, some right? Some kind of monster, yes. God, it's really amazing how I feel like there's two... That's just like one of those documentaries where you can never look at that band ever the same again. Yeah, pretty much. And I think it's also the best documentary I've ever seen about group dynamics. It's great. It's great. It's just like... It just also kind of killed any sort of like 
image you may have had of Metallica before that. <laughs> well, that well after that they started, they got the new bassist uh, Trujillo, and then it's like they introduce him, and it's a picture of them like drinking iced tea at like a like a Mexican restaurant. Well, we're getting really off topic here, but like, who was the was the, the base? Did he replace the bassist that they had to replace in the eighties? Because there, there's the story about like. Um, no, yeah, he 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 was there because Jason Newstead left. And was he the what? Because their their original bassist died, right? Yeah, Cliff eight, died, and then they brought him on to the which out the album that has barely any like the the, the basses. So that's Ride the Lightning, and yeah. so basically what happened was that they got some sort of squabble. Yeah, and I don't know what it was about. And just in mixing, they're like, you know what, fuck that guy. And they turned that, they just turned down his track. Yeah, that album's so famous for just the bass on it. And it's like you can turn it up way louder. You kind of hear something that might be bass on it, but otherwise, it makes it sound so fucking terrible. Yeah, it's just like one of those. Old, oh yeah, you you, I don't like you, so I'm going to drink some poison. You know. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because we're talking about bassist problems. Because, like, obviously, this is the first song people. Well, this is the first like mainstream song that Sh- Scratch Shriner would have played on. Uh, you're, wow, you're right. Way to bring it back, yeah. Andrew. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> Weezer. If there has had bassist problems, like Spinal Tap. Yeah, well, with drummers. <laughs> yeah. So you remember the music video for this song? Yes, because this is where Rivers has a incredibly misguided beard. Yeah, he brought that back, I think, a little bit late. No, wait, he brought the mustache back. He brought that, and that was weird but tolerable. He has that beard where it's like you decide to grow a beard, but you don't do any sculpting to it. Doesn't it kind of amaze you that Rivers can grow a full beard? <laughs> It's yeah, it's solid. It connects all around. He, he it does, is something I cannot do no, as I, a well-grown man. I can't do it at all. You would I, Rivers just seems like someone who you would never imagine being able to do because he's he's always had such a baby face. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like it's a full beard, and he, he doesn't know how to grow it. And people told him it like go for it. I am sure he asked plenty of people, and maybe they're all scared. I don't know. I think this music video was the first like. It's not definitely the perfect first like sighting of the Weezer W they were t- taking on tour and stuff like that. But I think this is the first time it was used in like Weezer like you know um, advertisements. If that you know, oh yeah, uh, I've I have not even considered the history of the Weezer W. So the Weezer W came around. Uh, the Weezer W I think came, start first started coming out once they reunited after uh, Pinkerton. You know, yeah, after that when they were doing secret shows as a uh, goat punishment. They would bring it out, and then it was torn, and it became a thing. Um, I think at times that W has been in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've seen pictures of it hanging up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let's be honest. What? Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, a little loose with their acceptances. <laughs> Weezer should definitely be going No, there. Weezer should, just because of the merit that they have a whole They're not in the Hall bracket. of Fame. They, but it, I'm just like, the Hall of Fame is like pretty loose on just not like this is not like if you've ever been to the hall of fame it's just a lot of memorabilia not like just of people who are in, accepted into the hall of fame it's not like it's an organized sport like no. it's, it's it's all a cash grab for the city of cleveland run by drew carey um <laughs> this is not true at all drew carey owns it <laughs> do you know where the rock and roll hall of fame is drew carey is also the mayor of cleveland do you know like the rock and roll hall of fame and like the the um, brown stadium are like right next to each other oh so you can make a day of it <laughs> 
here. So once the Browns let you down, you can go look at some old No guitars. one does both at the same time. No one's ever done that. I'm sure someone has done it. I guess so. I think it's, it's, it's kind of expensive to go in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's probably cost like 50 bucks for a I, I guarantee you someone has gotten loaded as fuck at the Browns and like, fuck it, let's go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame play all the guitars. I think the last time I did it was with my dad the summer before I came. It got in like 2010. I think they had like a Bruce uh, Springsteen exhibit we both wanted to go see. Uh, you were about to say I thought you were about to say Bruce Willis and it's just like <laughs> fuck they they really love the return of Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really hate the backing vocals and even and on the video they had to shoot them. Yeah. And it's just like Oh, there's like there's like Brian Bell doing Pete's lamb. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like I love shots like that. Just I imagine like the process of shooting it cuz it's just like all right, nope, one more time. <laughs> uh, take me home <laughs> it's like no it, it didn't line up take me home one more one more take me home okay Fine. let's move on <laughs> so on the other hand the other way uh yeah the other way um another make-believe song another make-believe song um Another song I keep, I I basically completely forget about every time. The only thing I remember about this song is what it's based on, and it's basically so. In the from like ninety two to ninety five, Rivers dated this uh, woman named uh, Jennifer Chiba. It was kind of an on and off again relationship. Uh, was she related to Sonny Chiba? I have no clue, but I'm gonna guess no. But anyhow. After they broke up a few years later, Jennifer starts dating Elliot Smith. Uh, she had the thing for sad dudes. Uh, she was there when he killed himself. There? Yeah, yeah. No, this is what the story. Um, basically, they were in a giant fight, and she goes into the like bathroom and locks herself. And like about five minutes later, she hears just a scream, ah! And she goes out, and he stabbed himself twice, and like with the um, with the kitchen knife. Yeah. Jeez. So like. This song is about Rivers wanting to like go and like console her, but having these conflicted feelings because it's an ex girlfriend and he's like he's not sure of where he, these feelings are coming from. He's yeah, he, like he's worried that he's trying to get the rebound. Yeah, I think so. Um, so I'll turn and look the other way. It's yeah. So there's, it, it's it, got this heavy like background to it, but. Well, well, Nick, I think we've talked about a lot of make-believe songs and like kind of the same thing where he actually has sentiment behind them and has ideas, but he never really de- delivers on like actual like lyrics that actually embellish on the fact that like this is what they're about. Yeah, uh, if if I if you didn't know the story, this is not what you would. No, no way. In you hell. would you would kind of think he's like found out the girl did something and he's going to ignore it. Yeah, it's like he takes these the really complex like feelings and tries to make them as base as possible with his lyrics yeah and on one hand i can really respect that because essentially if he were to like really give a lot of specifics about the situation he would kind of be exploiting elliot's death in the way that he was worried that he would be exploiting elliot's death at that time you know i thought i've I, I actually really love uh, Elliot Smith. I've read a lot about Elliot Smith. You know, I've started like I've listened to a lot of the demos and released music and whatnot. 
I never felt like I needed Rivers Cuomo to weigh in on Elliot Smith's death <laughs> in any sort of way. Uh, just not a thing. Yeah. I don't think they... I, I, I'm sure he never actually met Elliot. You know what I'm saying? This girl had been out of his life I, for I a mean, while. who knows? I'm sure he could have met him in some place. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like... I don't think of them as songwriters in the same vein no, at all. never. Never in my life. So the weird thing about Jennifer, though, was she was kind of a constant, like, inspiration for him early in his career. Like, she was, like, when uh, he was still doing songs from the Black Hole, you know, there were different characters, and they were based on people in his life. There was a character on uh, Songs from the Black Hole called Maria that was totally based on Jennifer Chiba. Wow. Yeah. Which is weird because he doesn't seem to dwell on people as such. No. And it seems like most of these relationships are fake, fictional people. But the song itself, uh, it begins with this really weird, like almost surf rock wavy sound. Yeah. It mostly reminds me of uh, the original Crimson and Clover, which I I think is a fucking all-time song. song. Oh, fucking incredible. Love that record. Um, but the quality does not, does not hold on. Like, it kind of slips into an almost generic Weezer song. Um, it has a hook that's just repeating a phrase over and over again, which never really does it for me. Like, there's very few phrases that you can really... Say, unless you're doing, like, a dance record, like the, the Tear Up the Club song, and it's, like, something people want to be drunk and yell. I was, like, listening to this earlier today, and the thing that really stuck out for me were the really cheesy fucking hand claps in it. <laughs> it's such an... Why is there a hand... Why, Which is so, all of it's so conflicting with him trying to actually convey these, you know, these sentiments and these thoughts. Yeah. It's kind of... I'll tell you one thing. It sounds nothing like a song that you would think about when you think about Elliot Smith in any sort of like <laughs> No. Um, and it doesn't seem like that remorseful of a song when you record it because you have like your backing vocals like, oh, uh, way that are so poppy. Yeah. You know? And this, this feels like some sort of 1997 alt-pop song. Yeah, it does. And I don't know. I, this kind of seems like... This isn't an Elliot Smith tribute song, but in the vein of that, it seems like the kind of song well, Elliot would have really hated. Well, to be fair, I don't think it was ever supposed to be. It was never supposed to be an El- right, Elliot but, Smith tribute but song. tangentially so. Yeah, but I don't think he was in the headspace of thinking about the kind of Elliot Smith music Elliot Smith was making. I think this was really about this woman who was once in his life. You know, right, right. Like, I don't think like I don't think it was like in any way supposed to memorialize Elliot, or he was even thinking of that way. This was all. I about, mean, he definitely yeah. had every reference. You know, like he he, he the lyrics aren't like. Oh, when I found you, you were a needle in the hay or something like that. I don't know. I don't have much to say about this. I think it's a very forgettable song. It's a very forgettable song. It's it's like a lot of those, it's like a lot of those like make believe songs. You don't remember anything about it. No. No. Uh I'm 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 okay voting for it already. I'm voting right yeah, now. I'm vote yeah. Uh I'm voting for the other way. The other way. Yeah. Well, there's the uh, Yeah. Uh Dope Nose goes the other way, out of the bracket. The other way goes the same way, it up the bracket to towards the center. Um, yeah, let's end this segment. Round three. Weekend Woman. Off of Pacific Daydream. Monday morning I drifted 
versus Heart Songs. Off of Weezer, the Red Album. Washington was happy on the day he taught the charm. These are the songs. These are my heart songs. They never feel wrong. And when I wake for goodness sake, these are the songs I keep singing. Again, woman isn't that horrible. It's just kind it's of bad. It's bad, but it's not that horrible. Um, the reason why Weekend Woman is in here is that I think it really sums up the problems with Pacific Daydream. Yeah. This song has no consistency to it whatsoever. Uh, so, yeah. Apparently, this started off as like it was a song he started writing around that everything will be all right in the end. In fact, like, apparently. It's based on a melody he had written back from the uh, Green Album. This Frankensteining, to these insane degrees, is just really frustrating. So apparently, yeah, because apparently, like Rick Ocasek actually tried to bring back some of these melodies and some of these past songs because he remembered them from 10, 15 years ago I, before that. I understand that, and there's nothing wrong with that because if you write a good riff 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, it may still be a very good riff, but build around it. Don't go into your catalog and go, this riff and this hook and this bridge and this intro, and then I'm done. It's so frustrating because uh, Rivers is a beautiful songwriter. He's written some of my favorite songs ever written. Yeah. He is is a true craftsman. He really cares about the creation of a song. Yeah, he's, just, he's someone who's studied the art, art of songwriting. He's someone who's always been obsessed with it. But he's just gluing shit together. I think sometimes it comes from him having almost a workman like mentality to songwriting. Okay, yeah, I see. Like he kind of does believe that it is something you can go and do as a nine to five. Yeah. Like he's not someone who's like, I'll wait for my inspiration. He goes and like searches for like, inspiration forever it is in some ways. I mean, to be fair, a lot of great artists have done it. Uh, yeah. What is it? Stephen King. Stephen King says, "You can't wait for inspiration. You have to go out and find it with a club." Yeah, yeah, I know. Like Stephen King, like he'll start writing and like he's not sure where he's going. Like there's a story about the stand where he was writing and writing and writing, and it wasn't until he was like out taking a walk one day and he's like, "Wait, I know the theme of my story." You know what I'm saying? And, and then. Basically, to be fair, yeah. to be fair, cocaine has a co-authorship on that book. <laughs> cocaine has a cocaine. co-authorship on half of Stephen King's. Mm, works. Was that around that period? It was. I'm, I think that may have been like a couple years later. Like, there's right. that mid '80s period where he was, where like you know, where he was also writing under Richard Bachman because he was, cocaine was just driving his insane writing ability. I don't believe that Rivers has ever written a song on cocaine. I don't think he's ever done cocaine. But there are some that, you know, in the, on the bracket. You may you can convince me, but I, I have no knowledge as to that. Um. Weekend, Woman, Weekend Woman is another one of those songs. Well, the entirety of Pacific Day, Daydream. It was originally called Weekend Girl. Yeah, so he's trying to get away from using girl, but he just substitute woman. And... And it's just it like, actually works better because it's kind of the sort of alliteration of it. It sounds a little bit better, I think. Yeah, um, I 
I just don't. That's fine. Yeah. I just don't think this is as progressive as a move as he's wanting it to be. I think the problem with it, when you were saying the same problem with a lot of the songs on Pacific Daydream, it just it sounds like a rejected song. Yeah, yeah. That whole album sounds like a song of B sides. And I don't hate that album so much as we are letting on. I think there's some good songs on it. I think, yeah. But it's like when I like the songs on it, I like parts of them more than a whole. You know. I think it's called it's because of his Frankenstein approach to songwriting now. I, w- I mean, who knows what Black will be if it ever comes out. It's going to come out. It's not like, it's not like we're... Like, <laughs> we were talking about this. It seems like we've been waiting for this long-awaited Weezer album. We're literally less than a year from this album coming out. Oh, maybe he does the uh, year minus a day this time, too. <laughs> <laughs> no... I, I'm really interested because I think he's also in love with like fucking with people. Oh God, who isn't? But it's so weird because they're a band that's always like enjoyed like the traditional like album rollout. Yeah, Weekend Woman. It gets weird. It gets weird at part. It it has this this center core, and then it drifts away, and it experiments, and it plays, and then it gets pretty far out there and then you know what it does what so let's just do the hook again it's just like i don't it seems like another failed experiment i don't know what he was going for um i like this i kind of like the story of what he's trying to do you know yeah i think it's like it's also interesting to me because i think it is him just trying to do storytelling like i don't think there's like he's i was reading that there's no basis in like any real human being or anything no because he's well married at this point but i i I am interested in like like rivers doing like storytelling storytelling songwriting like actually like one of my favorite songs off of this album is a mexican fender i love that record which i which i think is a really nice piece of songwriting like in storytelling, in songwriting, like it's, I think it, it's consistent. Which he doesn't, the which he doesn't do a lot. You know, I mean, clearly a lot of his songs tell stories, but it almost has like a first, second, and third act to his story. In that it's way. a full, yeah, it's a full thing. Which he's he 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 tells stories by giving impressions. Yes, you know, he gives you he gives you a little bit, and then you fill in the blanks. Like say it ain't so. You know, there's not. It's not like you have this. It gives you these kind of these images and these ideas, and you're able to put everything together. But it's not like he's like laying out. Here's my stepfather's <laughs> alcoholism. My stepfather is an alcoholic, and that's trouble for our family. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know, you put it together, and it, I mean, he does it in such a well, beautiful way. In well, saying and so is kind of awesome because it's all about sensory call. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like almost like about it's it's Proustian. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, Proust like Madeline. You know, you take it bite of it and these recollections come back to you you know you open up the the, the um, door and you see the beer and these feelings of your father's alcoholism comes back to you and you have these like these horrible feelings it's it's all it's also an et but that's the that's generally what he was doing on like the blue blue and pinkerton and like especially on pinkerton where that whole album does that to create a whole like kind of like story in itself without you know having a narrative to it yeah but this one is a this is one that is like a first, second, third act almost. Yeah, and it's pretty well told, I'll say. Yeah. And it's like I, you know, I find it somewhat relatable and yeah. I'm talking we're talking about Mexican Fender here. No, yeah. We're not talking about Weekend Woman the okay. clear. Yeah, Mexican Fender is great. And I and it's like 
it feels so natural for him. Yeah. It doesn't feel forced. And I I would love to see him do more things like this. Yeah, I would love to see him do a lot more like that. It seems like something he could probably invest in at this age. You know what I'm saying? Like, because clearly he doesn't. I don't think he's in, interested in like making songs about himself as much anymore. No, I mean he's always for as someone who's put himself out there. He's always really struck me as a private person. Yeah. As much as someone who does the in-depth interview, who does, who puts his heart and soul into his music and later explains it all. Yeah. You know, like there's very few things he holds back. I mean, that's why part of why we can do this and why we can know so much about this man's life. Yeah. Um, I think the kids are the big catalyst for that. And I completely understand that yeah. change in his life. Um well, it's because it's not your life; that it's someone else's life. You that you're you, you're like putting out there, and that's there should be like boundaries when it comes to that. Totally, 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 totally. Weekend Woman is somewhat relatable story. I kind of get it. It's another one of his infatuation stories. This one seems more mature. Yeah, like it just seems like oh, I'm actually working a regular job now. <laughs> like I'm a middle manager. Uh, I met this girl on the weekend. We're going to see each other next weekend. We're both busy. You know how it is. She lives across town. You know, um, it seems very. It seems oddly modern in that sense. Yeah, Rivers has always tried to talk about classic times or timeless times. You know, like just teenage ennui and all that. This is just like, hey, yeah, it, like it sucks to, that we all have to work and uh, you know we can't hang out with all the people we want to all the time. Uh, stock market's up, cool, you know. Yeah. It also has some weird audio things going on here. How so? Um, it has this ah, throughout it, like it's a Pepsi ad. <laughs> yeah. And then it has a, a weird big bell throughout. I did not notice that. It, there's this bell chiming throughout. Um, I don't know if he's trying to... Look, if we want to read into these things, it's like it could be like this whole like kind of like wedding bell motif or whatever. I mean, they probably just got in the studio. Let's add, we need to add something yeah. to the bell. Um, it doesn't really fit for me. Was this, was this one co-written with anyone? No, this is just him. Okay. Uh, it's produced by Bush Walker. Yep, that's kind of become a common thing. And, you know, I'm, I like Butch's production in general. Um, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. There's no consistency. No, not It's, it's really. Pacific Daydream. Yeah, that's yeah, it's kind of that album in a nutshell. Uh, if, but if we do want to talk about consistency, Heart Songs is a very consistent song. It is consistently about references. Okay, this is one of my least favorite Weezer songs. Like, this might be my least favorite Weezer song. I don't want. I don't want to throw that all out there. But I hate this song so much. I love it. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I do not hate it with the ire that you do. Yeah. Um, but I certainly don't love it. Well, you know? I think I described it to you like this last week off off the podcast but i will bring it back up this is basically rivers cuomo's we didn't start the fire yeah it has a heavy influence that except like we didn't start the fire wasn't just about things i liked yeah it was it was about things that were relevant and through his life 
Well, even but we didn't start the fire, which is a song I like just because it kind of is. Because it's, it's a fucking great song. Yeah, but it, I, one of the stupidest things I ever heard Billy Joel say is like, "Yeah, you know, like history teachers have told me they they like have played this to their class." And I was like, "But yeah, what the fuck did they learn from it? Just a bunch of references, you know what I'm saying? There's, you can't really learn about any of these things without any context." Uh, I mean, if you pair it with the video, I think you kind of get a vibe of the times that change. Yeah, I think you also kind of get. Because you learn history, and it's like, you oh, Battle of Hastings, 1066. And then there was this battle, like, seven years later. I have no idea if that's true. Fuck history, whatever. Um, But when you get to our modern era, things progress so quickly, you know? I mean, especially now, like... What were what was the news two weeks ago? I'm with, with all the Trump stuff. I you know there's characters like I they come and go so quickly, you know. Like you remember uh, there was like the day last week where like like Roseanne happened and like Pusha T and Drake happened and then the Brian Colangelo story happened. And I was like, stop! One of these stories is enough for like two of the three days. Yeah. Yeah, we used to have luxury, and now it's just like sometimes like I, I've been busy with some stuff. And I go on Twitter, and it's just like, it's kind of like if you took a break from watching Empire for a couple episodes, there's like, who are all these characters? I have no idea who's, <laughs> like, there is some conservative dude everybody's making fun of. I have no idea who he is. And they're like, oh, this oh this guy. And it's like, oh, he's some new cabinet guy. I have no idea who these people yeah. are. This, this song, though, this song, Heart Songs. It's, which, no, I didn't start the fire. No, we didn't start the fire. It's just references to songs he listened to growing up and like nothing consistent about them i don't even know if he likes some of these songs no no because he is explicit like these are my heart songs all yeah, that but i think I, sometimes but, they fit into the melody yeah because i i mean we all love imagine, the fresh prince but i don't really i can't imagine even though he does like rap music i don't imagine summertime just hitting hitting rivers cuomo like oh man that's the jam yeah so, I was doing research on this song, which sucks. <laughs> Into, um, so, they've never actually performed this song live. Shocker. But, no, here comes the best part, oh, though. Boy. So, during the Troublemaker tour, mm-hmm. um, right, uh, there came a point where Carl Koch would uh, come out onto the stage prior to the encore. And he'd set up a record player. And then the record player would start playing hard songs. Then Cuomo would come out, and he'd smash the record player. What? Yeah. Which is great, because, yeah, that's what everyone wants them to do. Stop playing heart songs. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, the rest of the band would come out, and, like, Pat and Scott, they'd come on stage, and they'd start playing Nirvana's Sliver. So, I'm no. <laughs> I really can't. I, uh, okay. I so guess. you know why it was Slither? No. You know why it was Slither? It was because apparently that was the first song he had heard from Nirvana while he was like working at Tower Records. So relatable. <laughs> I mean, I, just imagine that entire production of just set up for heart songs. I, 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 I feel weird that I didn't see the Troublemaker tour because it sounds like more of a production than most Weezer tours. <laughs> like from this, and I know they would cl- close it out with um, The Greatest Man That Ever Lived, which they, I know they had to do a whole thing for. Yeah, so I mean, we weren't sure if they, they had done that live at the time. And then we, oddly enough, we, we, we neglected the Spike Video Game Awards show. 
yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know that we were all about Spike TV and the video game awards show. Uh, better than the Oscars, if you ask me, because... There's only one thing I watch on Spike TV. Now Paramount t- Television. Now Paramount TV. You know what it is. Who wants to tell Bar Rescue. <laughs> uh, the Waco miniseries is really good. I forgot that was on there, but I'm talking, really about, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the old classic You know what's crazy about the Waco miniseries? What? If you watched it on the app, they had these other things, these like like eight to 12 minute behind the scenes. And I've never seen this done, like released at the same time, where they would just explicitly go and show you how they changed it from the real story to make their TV show work. It's like you watch it and then you put that on and it goes... That's false, that's false, that's false, that's false. That didn't happen, like, all this. Like, it, like, it was crazy. All right, can we get back to hard songs, though? I, I can't believe you want to get back to it. Because I have another point to bring up, too. Because this song basically ends with the, him giving the history of forming the band. Yeah. Has there ever been a band that's written so many songs about the <laughs> legacy and the formation of their own band? <laughs> um, and what their band is and the history of their band? Hmm. The Monkees? <laughs> Anyhow, but you get the point. What I'm saying is how. I mean, no. Who can forget? I mean, who can forget the Beatles' famous record, "The Day We Met Ringo." <laughs> hey, hey, uh, George is fighting with everybody. Um, Paul's dead. Not really. This is be a funny prank. John, don't go to that hotel. <laughs> that was a. Uh, there's a. There's a. There was a little reunion in like in 1979 before so they could write that one yeah 1980 yeah you're right i they write a lot of songs about themselves hey you know who the producer of this song was Another rick rubin oh jesus rick rubin was the producer of this song this is like the, the low point of like rick rubin's career yeah <laughs> So can I give you a list of some of the references he makes this song, in this song? I mean, you're just going to read the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> you got Gordon Lightfoot, Cat Stevens, Joan Baez, Eddie Rabbit, Abba, Devo, Pat Benatar, John Lennon, Bruce Springsteen, Grover Washington. I mean, some of these, it's just like, like I just rivers we know. Like, the thing <laughs> is, like, I can't imagine him even like in the late 80s or, or mid to late 80s like really grooving to like Debbie Gibson and Tiffany. Like that's when he was like in his like real metal days. Like you would think if he, he it may be in retrospect, you know yeah. how like you pick up songs later. Oh god, he makes like a Rick Astley like reference, and like you have to imagine that was from just never gonna give you up being such a fucking meme already at that time. I mean, he could be a together forever guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like love how it all builds to never mind. Nevermind is a real watershed record for a lot of people. But just it's the, not for me. I, same thing about that. I mean, like, uh, it's. But no, I, I get mean, it. I grew like, up listening to Nirvana too. I'm, I'm just normal like everyone else. But I'm just. Not, I'm not even talking about the legacy of, of Nevermind here. I'm just talking about the way he builds it up to the in the song, where he's like listening to it. And he's got had a baby on it. Yeah, 
I kind of get that. He's kind of trying to be theatrical there. He's trying to tease it for him. I get it. He's trying to draw and, it out. It's funny. It's like like people like hey, we had this record had a baby on it, and I, I guarantee those people. Oh, he's talking about Nevermind. He's talking about Nevermind. And then he mentions it, and it's just like you know what I can't wait for another anniversary where they interview that fucking baby. <laughs> <laughs> What's he got to say? Yep, so, I'm only a year older. So what's happened to you, baby? <laughs> well. Uh, yesterday, Spin contacted me and wanted to uh, interview me about being the baby from Nevermind. About a week before that, you know, I got hit up by, um, I think, a pitchfork. Yeah. <laughs> I get tired of hearing that from that baby. I mean, I get it. I mean, it's a really important album. It changed the song. The song. It changed the sound of everything after it. It was the 808s and heartbreak of its day. Yeah. Um, so I get it. I get the reverie, but it's like, Rivers, we know. Ugh. We know you like Nirvana. We know Smells Like Teen Spirit is a very influential song on you. We know we have heard your music. <laughs> you know? There's something about this song. I think it's just the whole concept of the song. And the- yeah, because when people try to make tributes to a lot of things, it never seems to work. No. Like, people always try to say, like, oh, these are a lot of things that influence me. And if it's not a list... Well, it's just lazy. It just mean, it has, it means nothing when you just make a bunch of references. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you're not delving into what these references mean you're just making references you're like this is like a this is like like this is like the family guy of like yeah. weezer songs it's I, yeah it's just like this, this this there's so much more i would like to know from this it's like please Rivers, tell me what pat benatar means to you i want to know i want to know what pat benatar means to rivers cuomo what songs are your favorite pat benatar songs do you are there some like deep cut Pat Benatar that you are just a fucking fan of. Please tell me this rare Pat Benatar gem that you have. Do you know what this is? This is like the Friedberg and Seltzer of Weezer songs. Oh, wow. Haven't heard those names in a while. <laughs> Apparently they're still making movies. Apparently they made like a Fast and the Furious spoof that no one saw. Nobody should. Those no, movies are like, beyond. You know where those movies are beyond parody. How can you fucking make fun of it? Well, that's what every... They would parody like Borat. They would just put Borat in their... <laughs> You're putting David parody comedies. It made no sense. Dude. They would do references to comedies and whatnot. Even the next Fast and Furious, they legit team up with Borat. I'd be kind of down with that. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go to Kazakhstan. <laughs> uh, but we got to go to Kazakhstan. Know, we got to put Dom into Kazakhstan because he can't be around the other cast members. But. That's what this song to me. It's just a collection of references for people who can be like, I know that reference. I know that reference. I know that reference. I know that reference. Yeah, it's it's like Rivers has such a knowledge, and it's just like, please tell me anything about these. All right, can I be done talking about hard songs now? Yeah. All right. Except we're gonna vote, and that means I'm gonna have to vo- talk about hard songs more. Because you don't have to. You just have to say that you're voting for it. No, no, I mean, like, because we're going to vote for it. That means in the future I'll have to talk about hard songs more. Unless I vote for a weekend woman. That's not going to happen. Is it? Is it? No. Is it? No. I okay. vote for hard songs. And I vote for hard songs. Congratulations. Congratulations. Hard songs. Hard songs 
we don't heart you. No. Round four. Thank God for Girls. Off of Weezer, the White Album. Versus Brave New World. Off of Hurley. So, on Heart Songs, we discussed one of your least favorites. Yeah, it's a song that almost broke me. Thank God for Girls did break me. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember I would, getting this text. I, would, I think you sent it to me. You're yeah. like, yeah, well, check it out. There's a new... And it, it was this... I don't think it was a lyric video, but it's just a promo video. No, it's a lyric video because there is an actual, there's a real music video for it. That's there, not I that. know there is the real music video, but I don't remember there no, being it's, it's lyrics. A lyric. so, oh, there are. It's a lyric video. I've not revisited this. I did today. <laughs> um, and it's it's rivers, and he's eating. A, no, it's not rivers. It's not rivers. It's a rivers lookalike. It's like right? a rivers lookalike guy. I, again, I didn't revisit. Um, so Rivers look alike in Phantom slow mo eating a cannoli, and I think it explodes or something. No, it's just like women feeding him. Yeah, cannolis. that's right. Oh, God, and I fucking hated this song. I fucking hated it. That lyrics video is pretty disgusting in a lot. It's lot of ways. pretty disgusting, and so they, it I, was just like this was the first thing for White Album that we saw, right? Yeah. And because of that, I did not listen to the White Album for a long time. So here's the weird thing about that. Uh, That guy who plays that character, he reappears in the actual music video of it. That's right, he does. Yeah, because it's like... like, What a callback. That music video is like Rivers as a, a preacher, basically, giving like this sermon... So this this song did break me. It yeah. broke me. And then, you know what the funny thing is? What? White Album's great. It's the worst song on the White Album? By two orders of magnitude. I will say that when you're listening to the White Album in full, it's not, it doesn't drive me nuts. I mean, I can see that. I just, my personal history with it is just like, I will not, I will never accept this song into my heart. Yeah. I, I can't do this song. I hate this song. I this it just sounds terrible. Uh and Rivers is not the only one to blame for this because this is co-written with Alex Goose. Okay, who's that? This is an odd choice. This is an odd choice for a Rivers uh, for a Weezer collaborator. I mean, 
We've had a lot of weird ass fucking song collaborators. What makes this one weird? Uh, he was the producer for Freddie Gibbs and Madlib. Say what? Yeah. And it's weird because those guys, we see that Rivers has an appreciation of more pop driven hip hop. You know, like you go on his Instagram and he's covering Ray Sremer. He's covering, you know, like the Soldier Boys of the world, the guys who try to make hits that cross over to the mainstream. Freddie Gibbs and Madlib are not these guys. No. Um, so, in conjunction, there is we we try not to report information that we can't suss out. Um, like there there is a whole thing, and a few people mentioned this to us. Like there's this report of the girl from Oh Girlfriend also being the girl from We Are All in Drugs. Yeah. Um, every music blog has syndicated this based off of this comment on Genius. And you look it up and it's clearly not Rivers. Yeah. Well, he, I know a lot of the annotations on this song are from Rivers. Right, right, right. But I'm just saying... Like, they don't really give you a lot of insight into it. It's just all kind of like basic things. Yeah. Right. Let me, let me make my point. Yeah. Um, that guy also comments a lot on Kiro Kiro Bonito, which I would love to hear Rivers' insights on Caro Caro Benito. Um, but, the, but this song is the only song I have found that is cited on whosampled.com. And if you're into hip-hop, you know a lot about who sampled it. And if you're not, it's, you know, when you hear a song produced, especially like, say, a Kanye record, you're like, where where'd this come from? Yeah. So it claims that this song has a sample in it. Of what? Uh, this song call from a band called December's Children uh, called Trilogy. Okay. And it is this 70s psych rock. Okay. On the song, there's a swelling behind the word God and thank God for girls. Yeah. That there's a sample in the background for that. I've listened to these both. I can't hear it. So this is why, this is why I'm bringing this up. I, I can't prove this one. If anybody can say yes or no to this i would really fucking love it because i could find nowhere else that said anything about this and i can't hear it I, my ears just don't put it together uh that's interesting i have nothing to add on that because i don't know the sample and yeah um, it's just like is like it feels like a generic 70s psych rock it feels like something that a guy in an airbrushed van would play for you it seems a weird thing for Rivers to know. I mean, I'm, he has a deep knowledge of music, but that seems like a weird one for him. But but if you but you have Alex Goose, yeah, and particularly for Madlib, it's like there's samples, there's all these sorts of things. He's a crate digger, like he might have been bringing this to the table. Yeah, um, I I I've tried, I've listened to it a lot, yeah. and I I can't piece it together. And so and so I'm calling on all you bracketeers out there to uh, do the homework for us. I mean, kinda. <laughs> um, here's the here's my thing about this song. I remember uh, when it first came out because I've talked about it. I think everything will be all right in the end. It seems like a a new day for Weezer. Yes, it seems like there was they had gotten their mojo back a little bit, their artistic flow, and then this song came out pretty quickly after. Pretty quickly, quickly. and I was. I was pretty uneven with everything will be all right yeah, in the end yeah. when it came you, out. You definitely disliked it a lot more than I did, but and I've kind of pretty come around on it. Yeah. So, and then I heard this is the first thing I had heard, and I was like, "Oh God, they backslid, <laughs> they backslid." 
Because then the next one you heard uh, after that was "Do You Want to Get High," which is actually I like a lot. But like, I like it too. But yeah. it's not the most promising record. No, and also like after hearing the one before it being this song, it was it I wasn't sure what the hell he was doing. Absolutely. Yeah. This uh, is another one where they put out the worst songs as singles. It happens a lot. I found I found uni- almost universally in all of my music appreciation. I love second singles. Yeah, almost infinitely more than first singles. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Generally, too, I think that I, I agree. Especially now when we're in the um, the era where you get the second second single before the album even comes out. Yeah, because like before it was like you get the first single and then the album come out, then you get the second single basically to more of a consensus to, of what people and also to. to like also bring the album back into the people. You know, what I'm saying for radio play, and so you could keep that cycle keep on going basically. Now you're basically trying to sell the album for the first week and know that there's never any life when it comes to selling the album after that. Or like, yeah. Yeah, because even, God, 10 years ago, you would have some the street single. Yeah. Um, famously, probably the most successful one was Lil Wayne's Amelie because the record label uh, promoted Lollipop and they're promoting something. Some something else off that record. Lollipop. I think Dr. Carter, maybe? Well, I remember Lollipop being the first single. That. And that was, yeah, and that was a really weird thing. But basically, when the album came out, everyone was like, yo, a Millie's it. And that, and they made a video for a Millie, didn't they? Yeah, but not not for a while yeah. after the release of that record. It's like him getting off a tour bus, right? It's a one, it's a steady yeah. cam shot of him getting off the tour bus, and then like he's like getting his hair cut and all this other stuff. Yeah. Dr. Carter? I don't think it was Dr. Carter. Uh, oh, was it Mrs. Officer? It might have been Mrs. Officer. That was the one I was thinking it might have been. <laughs> Which is another fucking weird choice to promote as a single. It wasn't Let the Beat Build, was it? No, that was never produced a, uh, pushed as a uh, as a single despite been, a man. Kanye West production. Yeah. There is this one MTV Music Awards uh, video where they do that song, and they do it live, and but they have a woman trying to do that sample live because in theory because it's just like a woman go oh 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 oh, oh, oh. This is, we're like weeks away from the like 10th anniversary of that album holy fucking shit yeah i just remember that it came out its official release was nope we haven't we have four days four days yeah june 10th 2008 holy shit I just remember it. that's all you listened to that summer. Like, you know what I'm that, saying? That thing was the biggest yeah. thing. That was the maybe the last big Watershed album I can yeah. think of. Like, that was the one. God, like, everyone had to buy singles. There was lines at the record store. And, and I remember, like, the initial reviews were just so negative. Yeah, it's kind of weird, yeah. And then it's just like, because, number one, Amelia was a sound that nobody had fucking heard before. And like I remember, just everyone saying like, "This is goddamn unlistenable." What the fuck? And then that song became the basis for every song for the next four years. I just remember like uh, that would have been my junior year of college when I got back, and you know, like any party you would go to, there was nothing else you were hearing other than that. I I remember walking down Sixth Street in Austin and hearing cars come uh, with kickers, and it was always boom, 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 boom. Like it was always that a milli. Uh, baseline and you could tell it 
like through the fucking car doors and everything is fucking incredible. That album holds up. I listened to it's it. It's fucking yeah, great. I, I it's listened fucking to it great. Like about six months ago because like that album really holds up. It's fantastic. I am so frustrated that like the Carter Five is just held hostage. Like I just but would it be any good? Like the Carter Four was shit, man. Basically, Carter Four was, but he has also put out good mixtapes since then. Yeah. I mean. But I don't know. I have a good feeling about it because, I mean, as we know with Weezer, which this podcast is supposed to be about, <laughs> uh, sometimes they do bad, bad albums and then come back with good, good albums. I think Wayne still has. It. I think uh, look, Wayne at his peak was the fucking greatest. The he, Drought Three is the greatest mixtape of all time. He seems to just kind of lose it. Like he also just seems like he got bored. He got bored. He also seemed to be. He, kind, he seemed to be kind of out of it. You know what I'm saying? Just like, well, yes, yeah. that's what being addicted to drugs will do. That's true. Um, but no, he was openly. I am bored of rapping. Why am I doing this? I'm 30 now. <laughs> you know. Anyhow, thank God for girls. Thank God for girls. I wish if, I could if, find a great way to tie it back into that. No, so if you you can tell there's a sample in it, let us know. Um, there's there's not it's not like a Millie where the oh there's a sample in it. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyways, I hate this song. I, uh, the part where he goes into this whole biblical thing, it just feels out of place on a song I don't like already. Anything and, biblical sounds out of place on a Weezer album or song. Yeah, and it's just like he, he didn't grow up religious. I mean, he grew up in a, like a you know. He didn't. He didn't grow up traditionally religious. Let's say that. No. Um, anytime he wants to tell us about the Bible, it's just like you are doing this because your other favorite songwriters are doing this. You know, it's like you found some song where he starts talking about the Bible, and it's. Oh, like, I, I actually, I think he grew up. In, like, um, I have a quote from where he, I, this is like this is from the um, this is from his own annotations from Genius. Okay. Where he says, I wasn't raised Christian, so the main point of contact with the, uh, with the religion was through singing masses in school choir. Hence my familiar, familiarity with the phrase, Jesu Christ. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, if you're not a big religious guy, I don't know why you have this whole outro about like Adam and Eve and all that. I mean, it's like maybe, maybe conceptually, like, maybe conceptually almost, at this point, Rivers has run out of things to say about say. girls. No, it was just like it's just like the last thing he's never commented on, and you know what I'm saying he's like basically brought everything else now into the, like the uh, he's he's used everything but the kitchen sink. He's just like sitting at his desk. He's like, I have literally said everything there is said yeah. about girls. Fuck. All right, what is there? I feel All right, like, the Bible. I think I feel like thank God for girls is for the like last part, where, the, like the last like kicking point where he's like, okay, can't say girls. Then the next album. Do you think he was actually saying, thank God for the HBO sitcom? Girls. He loves Lena Dunham. He should have wrote, thank God for ballers. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Can we talk about uh, Brave New World? Yeah, we can. So I don't think this is based on the Aldous Huxley book. It does not believe, no, it's not. Um, one of the books, a few books I read in school that I actually liked. <laughs> this is a very, again, forgettable song, I feel. Yeah. Um, which is odd, because this is co-written. I know this one. With Linda Perry, yep. who is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, instead is in the Songwriting Hall of Fame, which is... 
harder to get into. Yeah, sovereignty and hall of fame seems, seems like a real. Like, it's a la- actual legit thing. Yeah. Drew Carey is not involved in any way, shape, or form. Drew Carey's not involved in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, if the name Linda Perry does not immediately come to mind, uh, she was the lead singer of Four Non Blondes, famous for uh, her song "What's Up." What's up? Which was completely pla- plagiarized from "Don't Worry, Be Happy." Um, to the point where they don't make money from that. Uh, but she wrote other things. She wrote Pink's Get the Party Started, Christina Aguilera's Beautiful, Hurt. Uh, she also wrote songs for Faith Hill, Solange, Courtney Love, Britney Spears, Joan Jett, Gwen Stefani, Lisa Marie Presley, Fisher Spooner, Kelly Osbourne, Juliet and the Licks, which is famously Juliet Lewis's vanity band. <laughs> We all remember them, don't we? She also wrote for Gina Gershon. <laughs> what? Yeah, Gina Gershon. She had a, a band and they had an IFC show for a while when IFC was about independent films. Oh, yes. So, so like when they also had dinner for five. Yeah, and so she had a movie called Pray for Rock and Roll, P-R-E-Y. And then she took that band uh, touring and uh, got Linda Perry to write a song for her. Uh, she also wrote for The Dixie Chicks. Cheap Trick, Vanessa Carlton, Alicia Keys, the legend, Celine Dion. Dude, you know what, she, what song she wrote? No. And I think it's a, she wrote uh, what, what You Waiting For by Glenn Stefani. Cause like, oh. Which song did we say was basically uh, that song? What You Waiting For? Yeah, yeah. No, what Weezer song. Then we think there was like a whole Oh, bit. it's, it's, um, it's Hashpipe. Yeah. So so, that, so there's the oh that's probably how it happened. <laughs> you ripped me off. Well, now you have to work right. with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, to continue, she also did because there's a fucking lot. Uh, Gavin Rosdale, Adam Lambert, Hole, Adele, and Miley Cyrus. That's a hell of a list of. Uh, that people. is a songwriting pedigree. I mean, listen, it's when Rivers works with somebody. I either have a list as long as my arm, or it's just like, this is a studio guy that I guess Rivers liked. Yeah. <laughs> is there anyone like left he hasn't worked with? Um, when it comes to like, songwriters, you know what I'm saying? Like songwriters who are kind of like pop songwriters or anyone. He hasn't worked with Jim Steinman. That's true. He's not worked with Jim Steinman. I would love to see Fuck, Rivers. That would be fucking amazing. Rivers Cuomo, Jim Steinman. Yeah. Can't really just like collaborate with Jim Steinman though. <laughs> no, I mean, Meatloaf had to sue him uh, because Jim Steinman, for whatever reason, showed him it's all coming back to me now, which I argue it's his best song. Um, and he's like, Yo, Loaf, check out this song I wrote. And Meatloaf is like, I have to record this. He goes, Oh, I wanted a girl to sing this song. And Meatloaf sued him to try to force him to record it. They have a, they have such a like tumultuous history together. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you know what it reminds me of? What? Rivers Cuomo and Matt, Matt Sharp. Sharp. <laughs> Mark that off your uh, Weezer uh, bracket bingo, guys. So here's the thing. Uh, Linda Perry has written some of the greatest songs for some of the greatest artists. Songs that you can't forget, even if you wanted to. Just absolute earworms. And then she also wrote Brave New World. Which uh, we, we listened to, and I, I don't quite remember I, I don't how remember. it 
like the one part of the song I kind of like is the uh, breakdown. Yeah, but oh. that's only because I like it when I'm listening to it. But I can't remember it that well. This song has a lot of weird stuff going on. Yeah, um, he kind of goes into a talk box. It's like this one he's trying to start to play with mixing and mastering, um, but not that well. Like for one part, he puts the guitar into the left channel. And then he just takes it back. And there's no real rhetorical reason for it. Uh, it keeps dropping out the word never and mixing. He's singing it, but they they drop it out in post. And I can't understand why. It's not like he's saying a swear word. Yeah. Um, unless you are a Justin Bieber fan. You know, he taught us to never see never. Um, <laughs> but it's all not making sense. So I have a quote from him. He said in the Sun Hurley commentary that Brave New World was in response to the rest of the band's unwillingness to explore new genres. Yeah, so that's the big thing. It's very rare that you have somebody write a diss song against members of their own band. No. I mean, yes, the Beatles did it. <laughs> um, well, that's because you had two of the greatest songwriters going at each guy. I mean, you yeah. had three of the greatest songwriters. Yeah, that's true. Can we also agree there was a Sun commentary? <laughs> I mean, we can definitely agree. <laughs> what the fuck? Does Sun still exist? I was just wondering that. When is the last time you've seen a Sun? Well, I don't go to the malls anymore. You're not in the mall. <laughs> Where do kids buy their cargo shorts? <laughs> Amazon, I guess. It's like that was what you would buy at PacSun. You would buy like like surfer shirts. I've never bought anything from PacSun. Yeah, well, I was I grew up in rural Ohio where PacSun was a luxury. I just don't have much to say about this song because I, I forgot what I listened to it. Five I remember this. There's, there's a so there's keyboards on it, but there's not a credited keyboardist. No. I found that odd. Um, God. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. But so Rivers is making this song. And he's dissing three the three other members who do not write the songs, who explicitly do not write the songs for not taking new chances. I think it was also at the point where it's like, Rivers, you're taking a lot of chances and you've, you've failed. You've struck out a lot here. Rivers, like, we have, I don't know, almost 64 songs that could be put into a tournament-style bracket. <laughs> We got we to stop this. We got to stop this before two jackasses take this idea and run with it way too far. Um, but yes, but for a song about taking chances, this doesn't take that many. He's doing some stuff in mixing. He has this weird keyboard. He has this weird dropout. But for most of it, it sounds like Weezer. It doesn't sound like a different genre. No. It doesn't sound like one of his more experimental tracks. It doesn't sound like the Michael Sarah joint that no. he did. It doesn't sound like Time Flies. No. Which is a song after this. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you guys aren't taking chances. Like, we just recorded your country record, jackass. Because <laughs> you wanted to meet an old dude. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird album. What a weird do you, song. I mean, do you think there's one member that he's calling out more than the others? Uh, I think he's just going back and calling out Matt Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Sharp, you bitch. You're not taking any chances with the band. You haven't shown up for practice in 15 Who's, years. Well, I would say he probably calls out 
I think like Scott Shriner, he doesn't call out that what much. If, what if Matt Sharp was never kicked out? He just stopped showing up. River still thinks Matt Sharp's in the band. <laughs> That's what all the songs about. Man, we got this one guy in the band. He just never shows up. Never shows up to practice. Matt Sharp, never he, shows up to shows. He, he just he thinks of him as like the father who went out for cigarettes and never came back. <laughs> but he still thinks of him. He still thinks he's coming back. Rivers uh, Weezer is a great band. We have two bassists. Matt Sharp and Scott Strider. <laughs> I would say Brian, to be honest, but for an honest answer, maybe Brian or Pat, not Scott. I think Scott would do whatever. Yeah, Scott seems like such a like you know for hire member that was feels still feels lucky to be in Weezer. Weirdly enough, I don't. Know. I mean, I have no idea how he feels. I can't gauge him. Maybe it, 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 it seems like it maybe be, it is Pat though, because it's like Pat seems Pat, like who Pat, gets bored and like asks to play lead guitar and not drums sometimes. So it seems like oh no, then Pat, that, that would be the experimentation. Likely, yeah. yeah. So I guess it's Brian. Yeah, Brian. Why did you Why did you say no and have to subject us to this song? Yeah, I would guess Brian. But you would think Brian looks like the one who would be the most experienced. It seems like he would be down. He's not calling out who he's calling out. This is kind of like a subtweet. So maybe, I don't know, by essentially subtweeting members of his own organization, Rivers was taking a tip from LeBron James. (laughs) God. (laughs) Sorry, I had to do it. It's fine. I had to do it because I wrote it in my notes weeks ago and I didn't know we'd be at this point. <laughs> if you're listening right now, the Cavs are down 2-0 against uh, the Warriors and it will be probably 4-0 in about a week. We're also very upset because we're lifelong Golden Knights fans and it doesn't look good for them. It does not look good for the Golden Knights either. Except them making the most historic comeback against the Capitals would be the greatest fucking thing in the world. Oh, you know, my Cavs did it. <laughs> that's true yeah maybe my knights can do it and yeah. we can live up to the promise of drinking out of the stanley cup on the fucking Vegas strip <laughs> anyhow this song sounds really flat it's mixed really flat it's boring uh the vocal harmonies actually come back to where they're kind of more classic we- weezer um in the song where he's complaining that they're not taking new chances like <sighs> it's just frustrating and how it's constructed Anyways, I don't like this song at all. It's not worse than Thank God for Girls. I'm voting for Thank God for Girls. Yeah, Thank God for Girls is still worse. Like, at least, like, that song is, like, aggressively bad. This one's just boring. It's aggressively the, bad. Brave New World is just be- is boring bad. Brave New World, I can see how it can be on the album. Thank God for Girls is the fucking lead single. I don't understand how that happens. <laughs> Who the fuck? Who the fuck? On a really good album. On a fucking great album. Yeah. Who the fuck... Here's Thank God for Girls. And I was like, whoa, I haven't, I hadn't checked out Weezer in a little I bit. Feel like Let he, me grab this sometimes record. Sometimes I feel like he just like wrote Thank God for Girls, released it as a single. I was like, oh, wait, I didn't need the rest of the album and wrote that. <laughs> that was so, much superior to the rest of it, but that first single was already out there. Who's like, yeah, Thank God for Girls. Yo, I got to get this, going to bump this in my car. like Bumping in my truck. I was thinking the God. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was his influence for this song. No. All right. Thank God for Girls. You know what? Girls. Hold on. I'm going to even pause it. Thank God for Girls is worse than Cruising California by The Offspring. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's pretty close. They're close. It's close, but no. All right. Thank God for girls. You move on. Don't thank God for this song. No. All right. Another week in the books. 
For those following along at home, update your brackets. If you're in your car, please do not update the bracket. Don't wait till you get into work or home or the grocery store or wherever you may be headed. Or you can just dictate it into your iPhone if you really uh, need yeah, to. Yeah, ask Siri to update the bracket. Yeah. Um, your winners. Time Flies, The Other Way, Heart Songs, and Thank God for Girls. God, what a fucking week this has been. Andrew, please tell the lovely folks what they can look forward to next week. So next week is actually our last week of round one. It feels like this has been going on forever. Yes. Yeah, but... But it hasn't. It's been going on eight so, weeks. So... <laughs> <laughs> so the first round is Da Vinci versus Hold Me. Okay. Then the next week is Glorious Day versus Dreamin'. Okay. Okay. All right. The next round is Let It All Hang Out versus... Can't stop partying. Fucking finally. We thought this never this day would never come. We have so much to say about that song. And then here's how weird it is. You know, the, the last round will be no <laughs> other one versus get you. <laughs> it's um, so weird that we have to end with that. We we planned it that way a long time ago. <laughs> it's so weird that all this it's like we finished that round talking about Pinkerton. Because it's been weirdly, there hasn't been like an excessive amount of Pinkerton talk on this podcast. No, I mean like, the, well, I mean, no, it's no. not what the podcast would be. <laughs> but I mean, like, probably the most fan based Weezer like podcast slash project that's never been has probably had the least amount of Pinkerton <laughs> talk in, in history. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know that conversation has been had. Yeah. It's been had to death. You know what people don't talk about? I can't stop partying. Fuck, Anyhow. so much to say about that song. We're going to spend been... so much more time talking about that song than, than Pinkerton next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we're going to spend more time talking about that song than any other song we've ever talked about, I'm guessing. Okay. But that's for next week. I have a theory about Can't Stop Partying that you have to hear to believe. And I do believe it is accurate. Um, I base this on no insider knowledge, but I could, I put together the pieces. Okay. You haven't heard it, and this thing is going to fucking knock your socks off. That, I can't wait for next week. I can't stop waiting for next week. <laughs> All right. See you guys. <laughs> Bye. 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 the Weezer songs we are claiming fair use uh, for purposes of discussion and you should look back because there's a lot of discussion about these so there you go but the intro music is by Alvoro Kid and we downloaded it from hooksounds.com creative commons with attribution so there you go thank you uh, yeah and see you next week oh I would also like to give a shout out to Spence Nicholson for helping us with the art yeah Oh, he's real happy about that. And giving and letting us record in your house. Thank you, Spence. Thanks, Spence. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Love you. <laughs>